Well, this morning, we're going to be starting a brand new series, four messages based on the scripture that you heard read earlier. And we're going to be looking at this scripture for four weeks. And the thing that we're going to look at is where the main thing that Jesus says here, he says, I will tell you the truth. Anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This passage is so important to me. It's the passage that the Lord used to get my attention the night that he just kind of grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and shook me up and said, look, I'm tired of messing with you. You're going to go the way I want you to go. Are you going to go the way you want to go? Time for you to make up your mind. Well, that, that conversation began with this passage coming to mind where it says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I thought, you know, if there really was a Jesus and he really said this, what did he mean? We had two kids at that time. And I saw that those kids, they trusted me. They believed what I said. They didn't question everything I said. They looked to me for guidance and for direction and for provision. And I saw that what he was saying was I needed to quit questioning him and start taking the stuff he'd already revealed about himself and run with it. Take what he'd shown me in the Bible, take what he'd shown me through the church and run with it. That uh, uh, asking the questions I was asking, sometimes, you know, there are two different kinds of questions I've discovered. There are two kinds of questioning. There's one kind of questioning that is, uh, it's a defensiveness and it's a question that comes from people that don't really want to face the truth. They put up a wall with their questions. It's really passive resistance because they don't really want answers. They just want to try to uh, throw up doubt. And the thing is, that's, that's not faith. But there's another kind of questioning. And it's the kind of questioning that a child has. Whenever a child gets around two years old, they start asking a lot of questions, don't they? And they can drive you crazy asking why. It seems like the, during the threes, that really gets to be the major question is why. Whenever they're asking that, they're not asking that to be irritating or to bug you. The reason they're asking is they want answers. They're trying to find out how to live life and you are the source of their information. And so they question, they ask honest questions and they ask open questions and they'll ask those questions in embarrassing situations sometime just because they just don't know. They know nothing. They're a clean slate and you're helping them to fill in some missing pieces. Well, that's the way it is. It should be with us. We should be childlike, not childish. 
And there's a big difference between those two things, isn't there? In child, uh, if someone is childish, that word depicts all the worst things about children, doesn't it? If somebody's childish. Uh, you tell somebody that they're being childish, you mean they're not acting, it means they're not acting in a mature way, they're not making good choices, they're being selfish, they're being self-centered. Uh, it's the, the very antithesis of faith. However, childlikeness describes all the beautiful things about children, doesn't it? Trust, joy, innocence, curiosity, wonder, forgiveness, and so much more. This world, childlike, is the flavor of our faith that God wants us to have. He's told us we need to be childlike, not childish. And yet so many people approach God in a childish way, don't they? Uh, they approach him in a self-centered, I want what I want when I want it, and I'm going to throw a hissy fit if I don't get it sort of a way. And that's a childish way. And uh, if God doesn't give them what they want, then they get mad at God. I read where one little kid, uh, uh, was four-year-old, was complaining to his parents. His parents had uh, told him not to do something. He did it. And so he was having to suffer the consequences. And they used that as a teaching moment to explain to him that there were consequences for what he did. And he said, well, I don't like these consequences. And the thing is, sometimes we don't like consequences in our lives, but we bring them on, don't we? But the thing is about it all is that we need to have an openness and an openness that's trusting toward God. Quit trying to figure God out and start trusting him. Well, we're going to start this series. I'm going to be looking at four different things that a child would say about God. And we as children of God should be able to say them as well. And the first one is God is for me. If there's one thing that a child from a loving home knows, it's that God is for them. They know that their parents are for them, don't they? If you were, just think about it. If you were brought up in a church home, a church or a home where you went to church on Sunday, where you, you got to know the Lord in church and know about him through church, there are a couple of songs that you probably sang. And uh, one of them is, uh, let's see here. What is it? Uh, oh, Jesus loves me. How many know that song? Let's see your hand. Great. Let's all sing it together now. You ready? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Another song. How many of you all know Jesus loves little children? Let's see your hands. Only three people. Okay, well, let's all sing it anyway. You ready? Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red or yellow, black or white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That's the sort of songs that you learn to sing when you're little and you're brought up in a Christian family. And that should be an expression of the heart of our faith. And out of that comes this conviction, God is for me. Uh, next week, we're going to look at the fact God is with me. And then we're going to look the next week at God forgives me. And then we're going to look at the last, on the last, on the fourth Sunday, we're going to look at God can do anything. And so starting off this morning, God is for you. God is for you. That is one of the things that's so important. If you don't have that down, all the rest of it's not going to work because you've got to trust that he wants good for you, that he is a good God. That's why we say God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. That's right. It's because we need to have a faith that God is good. Now then, in uh, the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, in the seventh chapter, we see that uh, Jesus was talking to uh, some people and uh, he told them, let's see if I can find that passage now. Well, pretty sure it was in the seventh verse, seventh chapter. Oh, I'm looking in Mark. I'm supposed to be looking in Matthew, right? That's why I can't find it. Okay, let's get over to Matthew, the seventh chapter. He's talking to people about how they should just trust God. And uh, he says, uh, well, you know, I had it marked and my marker just disappeared. But I'm going to find it. Oh, okay. It's the seventh chapter, beginning with the ninth verse. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how, listen to this, how much more Will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You know, there are people that are afraid to ask God for things because they're afraid that he's going to give them things that they're not going to like. They don't trust God. And that's what Jesus is addressing here. You know, uh, I've heard it said so many times, you better be careful what you pray for because you just might get it. Well, the thing is, Anything that God gives you is going to be good. Just get that saying out of your mind and out of your heart. Because if it's good, 
God's going to give it to you. If it's not, he's going to give you what's good because he's a good God. So he is for us. And the thing is, when this is one of the begin, this is the beginning of the transforming in our lives of the change in our lives is that whenever we call upon him, you know, it says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And whenever you get to that point where you realize that you don't know God's presence in your life, you don't hear his voice and you don't know that he's really with you and you realize it's because your sin is between you and him and that you can't do anything about it. And you realize that that's what the cross is all about. And you just cry out, Jesus, help me. He'll be there. And in his presence, you will know he's for you, not against you. The way that uh, Paul says it is that his love is spread abroad in our hearts. The way John Wesley said it, his heart was strangely warmed, but his presence comes. And when his presence comes, all of a sudden, you know, you're acceptable in the beloved. All of a sudden, you know that he is the essence of everything that's good. And you know that he is for you. Well, and it's this God that's for you that says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to prosper you. And look at this and not to harm you. His plans are not to hurt you. God doesn't want to hurt you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now that's in Jeremiah 29, 11. Now listen to this. Well, we already did that. You know, I was looking and looking for that passage and I went ahead and wrote it down in my notes. It's why I didn't uh, uh, have it marked. It's right there. My goodness. Uh, then the one below that uh, in Romans, the eighth chapter, the 31st and 32nd verses, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us or who can stand against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is for you. He wants to help you have the best possible life that you can have. And there's never an end to that. That's the most wonderful thing. I am 71 years old now, and I wake up every morning knowing that God has, still has plans and purposes for me. It's not over yet. It's just beginning. And you know what? He has plans and purposes for me in this world. And then whenever uh, this world is over for me and I go to be with him, he'll have plans and purposes for me there. And so you see, a death isn't going to stop his plans and purposes for you. Your life will continue 
And you're not, uh, when you go to heaven, it's not going to be sitting around on a cloud and strumming on a harp or something. He's going to have things for you to do. He will have purposes and plans for you in heaven as well. And, uh, you know, I love what uh, you know, John Wesley, as he was dying, he was singing the song, I'll praise my maker while I've breath. And then he goes on and he says that, and whenever this is over, I'll continue to praise him and he'll still have stuff for me to do. That's our faith. Death doesn't end our existence. It doesn't end our purpose. It doesn't end our identity. God is for us. Was it last week or week before last? Uh, yeah, it was week before last that they had that big scare in Honolulu or in, in Hawaii where uh, uh, somebody accidentally poked the alarm button for a, a missile attack. And everybody just kind of went crazy and was uh, hiding and all. You know, whenever you know the peace of God and it's shed abroad in your heart, something like that just becomes a quick ticket home. It's not going to terrify you. You know, uh, things like that should not be things that terrify you. I remember Mike Warnke talking one time about how whenever he before he came to know the Lord it seemed like he was a, he was a, he was a satanist high priest and a drug dealer and it seemed like all of a sudden everywhere he went there were christians and he just hated it because everywhere he turned these christians were showing up and he was in a men's restroom on a college campus waiting to do a drug deal with somebody supposed to come in and this Christian comes in singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And he's there washing his hands. And Mike Warnke has just had it with all these Christians. And he pulls out a 45 and sticks it in this Christian's stomach and says, sing, sucker. And this Christian, this young man, just looked at the pistol looked at him and said, well, praise the Lord, because you see, to him, a gunshot from Mike Warnke was just a quick ticket home. He wasn't fearful for his life because he knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know what Mike Warnke did? He just went nuts. He just turned around and pew, just shot out of there. That was the last thing he was expecting. He was expecting to intimidate this guy and make him grovel. He couldn't stand Christian confidence. And that's the way it should be with us. Is we should be so confident in God's love and God's presence in our lives that we're not fearful because God is for us. So the thing is, if he's for us, who can stand against us? And uh, so let's let's go ahead. I want to look at, uh, at, at just three things that come about when you realize that God is for you. Number one is you quit running from God and you start running to God. You don't hide from God. 
Instead, you run to him. Now, this all this running all started in the Garden of Eden, didn't it? Didn't it? Whenever uh, Adam and Eve sinned, they saw they were naked. They went and they heard that God heard God coming and they hid themselves from him. And it's been the same ever since. We have been fearful of God because of the sin in our lives. And yet he's made a way to take care of that if we'll come to him instead of running from him because of our sin. I heard the story about a little girl named Mackenzie this past week. Mackenzie was a little Guatemalan orphan. Her adoptive parents uh, were involved in a ministry, an outreach ministry online that reached people around the world for Jesus Christ. And the Lord laid them on their hearts to adopt a child. And they found little Mackenzie. And they adopted Mackenzie from Guatemala whenever Mackenzie was 18 months old. Mackenzie, whenever they brought her home, they were so looking forward to loving her and providing for her. But little Mackenzie would just, she was always just covering her face. She didn't want to look at anybody. She wouldn't eat. She would hardly even get up and walk. And they wanted to do so much for her. And, 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 and yet she had just pulled into herself and wouldn't speak. And they didn't know what to do. So they took her to a psychologist. The psychologist said, look, you know, Mackenzie's come from a tough, tough background. Mackenzie never even knew her mom and her dad. She's been stuck in horrible places. She's been in tough, tough orphanages. And she's never had anybody to really love on her. And as bad as and as traumatic as her past has been, she doesn't know you. And to her, you're just another stranger who might hurt her. You see, what you're going to have to do is just pour your love out on her and let her know that you care. And you just wait. Instead of hiding her face from you, after she knows you care and that you love, She'll come to you. She'll quit hiding her face. So they took it upon themselves to start learning Spanish so they could sing uh, the nursery rhymes that she got to sing in uh, the orphanages that she was in. And uh, they uh, uh, began to tell her in Spanish as much as they could that they loved her so much. And over a period of time, she came, she came to the place where she could trust them. And all of a sudden, she was smiling. And the, now then, little Mackenzie is seven years old. When she sees her parents, when she sees anybody, she doesn't cover her face. She doesn't cower. When she sees her parents, she gets a big smile on her face and she runs to them. And that's the way we should be with God, isn't it? He's poured his love out upon us. He's shown us his unconditional love in so many ways. And yet we run so many times. He wants us to know that he loves us. And when we know that, we will quit running from him 
and we will run to him. You know, it says in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Well, we run to him, not from him, when we know that he is for us. Now, I've got to tell you something else. Little Mackenzie, she hangs around whenever her, and she helps her mom do their online ministry now. And every week, the one thing that she wants to know is how many people in Guatemala receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? She's wanting to know how many people they're letting know in Guatemala that God loves them. And Mackenzie, even though she's just seven years old, the Lord has placed a calling on her heart. You know what she wants to do? She wants to help other little orphans like her find in Guatemala to find loving homes like she has. What a difference. The Lord wants to bless you. And once he has blessed you and you know he's for you, you're going to want to share his love with other people too, aren't you? So number one, we quit running from him. We start running to him. Whenever you know that he's for you, you're going to quit living for God's approval, approval and start living from God's approval. So many people live their lives or live like, oh, I helped someone. God loves me. God likes me. Oh, I messed up. God doesn't like me anymore. And, uh, oh, I've got to do something to make God like me again. And uh, he's just all messed up like, oh, I did a double take at that good looking girl. But I, I told God what a good job. He did. But I shouldn't have said that. Oh, God doesn't like me anymore. You know, and uh, it's always this up and down thing. And that's not what God's love is about. That's not what his approval is about. Whenever you come to know that he's for you. The tension of legalism will go. Instead, you're going to start living out of the liberty of love. One of the things that came out of me knowing that he was for me was knowing that he was for me, not for what he could make me be, not for what he was hoping to shape me into, but me. And the thing is, it's you that he loves, warts and all. You may think your personality is not very likable, but God likes you. God loves you. Not who you hope to be, but who you are. I wish I could just pour that into people's hearts, but I can't. But he can and all I can do is just pray that he would pour into your hearts that you are acceptable in the beloved, not because of what you have done or because of what you are going to do, but because he loved you and he loved you even when you were lost in your sin. He knew you were going to mess up. And even though he knew you were going to mess up, he loved you still. He went to the cross and died for you because he loved you and because you, the sinner, 
was special and precious to him. And he wanted to get that stuff out of the way so that you could fellowship together because he loves you. If you've been living under the tension of legalism, I hope it will just leave you this day and it will be uh, be just 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 totally replaced with the liberty of love. Uh, there's a passage in uh, one of the hymns that we sing that says this. Oh, how can I this friend deny when he's so true to me? Whenever you realize that he loves you, how can you deny him when he's so true to you? You see, you're not living out of trying to get his approval. You're living out of the fact that while you were yet in your sins, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, so you begin to not run from God, but to run to God. You don't live for God's approval, but you live from his approval. And then the last thing, you don't fear what happens to you because you know that God is working for you and in you. He's working for you and in you. Romans 8, 28, we all know it. And we know that in all things, does it say some things? A few things, maybe more than not, all things. For we know that in all things, God works for the, the bad. Is that what it says? No. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Well, Somehow we know that everything's going to be okay because we know that God is for us and we know whatever we find ourselves in, he's going to see us through it and see us out on the other side. Somehow good is going to come out and somehow good's going to come out on the other side. It reminds me of the story I heard about a mule. A farmer had uh, dug a, a hole they was going to put trash in and his mule fell in the hole. It was a deep hole and the mule couldn't get out. And so he started braying and braying and uh, making all sorts of ruckus. And the farmer comes out and he sees the mule down in the hole and he has to figure things out here. To get that mule out of the hole, he's going to have to hire a uh, 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 something with a crane to come out there and lift this mule out of this hole. And that's going to cost a lot of money. And so he's got this mule in the hole and he just has to weigh things out here. He said, this mule's an old mule. Uh, he's got, I've gotten plenty of use out of him. It's going to be cheaper just to fill this hole in. So he went ahead Called a couple of his buddies. They got out there with shovels. The mules down there just braying and making all sorts of noise. And they start just shoveling dirt into this hole. And just piles up on the back of this mule. And the mule just kind of shakes the dirt off. And 
then they keep on piling the dirt up and he starts shaking it up and the hole gets full so he steps on the dirt and so this is kept on they just kept on shoveling the dirt in and uh the mule just kept shaking the dirt off and stepping up shaking the dirt off and stepping up next thing you know he was able to step out of the hole now what looked like the most cataclysmic thing ever in his life was whenever they were going to bury him alive it turned out to be the best thing they could do because they and they're trying to get rid of him made a way out for him and that's the way it is with God sometimes we can't see the way that any good can come out of something but he's using the very thing that looks so bad to bring about the best for us and I just love that about God now then uh, it seems like for Sharon and me our lives uh, since we've come to know the Lord have been a series of crises punctuated with miracles and through the time that we've uh, been around we've been around and we've been through enough times like that that I've gotten now whenever things start getting rough I get excited because I know I'm getting ready to see a miracle God's going to make a way he always has. He always will. I haven't died yet. I'm still here. And there have been times whenever people have told me that I've had, I've had the time that they, I guess one of the, I, I, it was one of these times where, uh, you know how our parents will, whenever we're kids, our, our moms especially will put us against the wall and put a mark there and say, oh, look how you've grown. Sometimes the Lord will do that to you and let you see how you've grown. One of those moments for me was whenever I went for a regular checkup and uh, the internist told me that I had hepatitis A, B, and C. And uh, anyway, I didn't know. I thought, that just can't be. They did the test again. Hepatitis A, B, and C. And so I go through this six months of being told test after test coming back telling uh, the, the, the medical people that I have hepatitis A, B, and C. But then it changed to, well, well, you just got the antibodies for A, B, and C. Now, all through this, uh, I could, whatever, it was a shock to me, you know, because everybody thinks you got hepatitis C. That man's been mainlining drugs, you know. He's, his past has come back to haunt him or something like that. And I hadn't done anything like that. But, you know, in doing kind of a, retrospect i could see where this could happen just about anybody i could remember stepping on sharp objects in the carpet in hotels who knows what it was that i stepped on what sort of needle i'd stepped on i don't know how many times i cut myself dumpster diving you know when we first started out uh, in the ministry every time we moved we'd have to gather up boxes out of dumpsters and uh, I got really good at dumpster diving and finding good boxes. Turns out liquor stores are the best place to get boxes and uh, really entertained the uh, uh, parishioners when they helped me move into a house. And I've got a Seagram's box here and here's Smirnoff here. And they, they probably think I've been collecting these things just as I empty the boxes, you know. But the thing is, is that uh, there's so many times I'd cut myself on glass and things like that in dumpsters. There's so many times that I could have gotten something like that and not even known it. And so uh, 
It just showed me how iffy things in this world can be. It's a miracle that most of, more of us don't have stuff like that. It's just God's grace that keeps us from that stuff. But the thing is that at the beginning of it, when we first got started, I said, okay, and I had had friends that have died from hepatitis C. And I thought, you know, my life might not be as long as I want it to be, but you know what? I've been living it for the Lord and my life is full. If I die now, everything would be cool. It'd be okay. And the Lord's going to take care of my family. Everything's going to be all right. Then it turned out I just had the antibodies that I'd had it, but somehow miraculously I had fought it off. And then it turns out finally after six months, they said, well, it turns out it was false positive after all. You were right. But I tell you, all through that process, and I don't know what, I, I could have had that. You know, it could be the Lord just healed me. I don't know. But somehow it all turned out, you see. And I knew no matter which way it went, it was going to turn out okay. Because I'm the Lord's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. And he's going to bring about goodness in my life no matter what I face. And the same is true for you. And so I just want to encourage you that uh, the next time you have a crisis, and let me fa let's face it, many of you are facing tough things in your lives right now. Get excited because God's going to bring about a miracle in one way or another. He's going to see you through. He's going to help you through. Somehow you're going to come out on the other side and you will look back and you will say, why was I so fretful? Well, the thing is, whenever you come through things like that, you get to be like the psalmist in Psalm 66, 16. Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Whenever he brings you through on the other side, tell other people about it and let them know what he has done for you. Don't hide your light under a bushel. You know, I've walked with the Lord for a lot of years. And you know, the longer you walk with him, the more he builds your faith. When I look back now, I can recognize and realize that God has been with me in my yesterdays. My God has been for me in my yesterdays. And since God has been for me in my yesterdays, I can trust him with my tomorrows. And since my God has been for me in my yesterdays, I can trust him in my tomorrows because God is good and God is for me. And let me tell you, folks, he is good and he is for you. And he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If God is for you, who can be against you? When you realize that he's for you, you're not going to hide from him. You're going to run to him. You don't live for his approval. 
You live from his approval. You don't worry about what happens to you because you know he's working in you and around you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would land deep within our hearts, that we would truly believe that in your goodness, uh, that you are for us. When you are for us, nothing can be against us. Now, I just ask you, if you have a need in your life, any sort of a need, while your head's bowed, your eyes are closed, and you'd like for us to pray this morning about that need, just lift your hand up briefly. Let's see your hands. Okay, any others? Okay. God, I lift up these people before you, and I pray that in your presence, that your goodness and your grace would minister to them. God, we thank you that even in the middle of things that we'd never want, the significant trials that I know so many are facing right now, that you're a good God and that you're working in all things. And I pray that you would build faith, that you would bring encouragement, and that you would lift us, God, as we believe in your goodness, as we believe you are for us. God, thank you in advance for what you're going to do in the lives of those who lifted their hands this morning and those others that are struggling and hurting today that hear this message. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.